Welcome to Pod Me If You Can, I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And today we have another one of our interviews, this time with friend of the show, John Ratchford. He's um, a writer who's currently living in London and he joins us over Skype. Uh, basically, Lloyd, what I really appreciate about this story is not only has he gone to film television radio school, Afters in Australia, but he's also participated in Project Greenlight Australia. Yeah, which, I saw um, some of the episodes. I'm really proud to say that I, I met John and he's a wonderful person, a true gentleman. Absolutely. And um, very interesting interview, which we'll get straight into now. So joining me via Skype, John Ratchford, a good friend of mine, good friend of the show, and um, welcome. Hey, hey, Don. Doing good. And um, I've had you on because of specifically your uh, Project Greenlight Australia experience, but um, we'll build up to that. If you can um, tell us, first of all, do you recall the first film you ever saw at the cinema? Was it a family experience or? Um, I think the, I remember seeing something when I was really little, and I think it was about Vietnam, um, but I was a kid, so it was probably Good Morning Vietnam, but I remember being a bit kind of disturbed by it. Um, but I think the first film I can remember watching and kind of enjoying was like Young Einstein. Um, oh, yeah. No, or Reckless Kelly. Maybe Reckless Kelly, it definitely had Yahoo Serious in it. Um, I remember seeing seeing that, um, and then yeah, it was one of those films. But I think the fact that I can't remember which one it was probably shows you wasn't that significant an experience for me. Not too memorable, yeah. Well, um, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think when you're a little kid, it's just like it's just the experience of being in a weird dark room and stuff. It's kind of uh, you're kind of focusing more on that than maybe the cinematography of what you know who's serious is doing. Well, you've probably got a personal appreciation for the cinema. Didn't you work in a cinema for about four years? I did, Dave. In fact, I worked in a cinema with you for about four years. Correct. Um, yeah, yeah, I worked at uh, Hoyt's Bocon in, uh, in Canberra um, as a kind of usher and, and you know, personal candy bar and all that kind of stuff. And uh, obviously you've watched a lot of films in that time and um, maybe I'm asking, has that shaped your want to write? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, I worked at Hoyt uh, when I was at university, so I was studying journalism at university, so kind of studying writing, um, but then kind of working at the cinema, uh, and, you know, cinema employees get free tickets, so I was probably seeing, at one point, probably seeing like four films a week or whatever, because you finish your shift and you watch a film, so uh, on one hand, kind of learning a bit about the technicalities of writing um, in a very rigid kind of journalistic style, and on the other hand, just watching all these films, kind of good, bad, and in, in between. Um, so it's probably, uh, if I if I kind of analyse it, I think that probably did push me a little bit towards screenwriting. Because on one hand, there's all this kind of film knowledge absorbing. On the other hand, you're learning a bit about the uh, technical side of writing. So I think screenwriting kind of dovetailed nicely between the two. And um, I mean, journalism isn't exactly screenwriting. So when did journalism move to screenwriting for you? Um, I don't know. I guess, I guess, I mean, I always had an interest in writing and I mean, journalism is very, it's probably good training for anyone who wants to kind of uh, write because it's about conveying uh, information to someone in the simplest and quickest form uh, possibly, which is quite a little bit similar to screenwriting. I'd say it's all about, you know, economy of words and not using five words when two will do, which is ironic. I'm probably rambling a bit now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I had an interest in, in, in journalism and then 
uh, I think when I graduated and went to kind of London for a year, uh, I was kind of doing a few different writing jobs, but none of them were particularly creatively interesting. Um, and then kind of just started doing a bit of creative writing uh, in my own time, just as a bit of an outlet, probably because I wasn't that satisfied with the work I was doing. So probably, you know, if I'd found a really interesting job after uni, I probably would have focused my attention on that. But because I was doing relatively boring work, uh, you need an outlet. And I think that's when I started doing a bit of creative writing in my own time. So let's discuss the creative writing. I mean, was it poetry, short stories? Like it wasn't straight away screenwriting? Uh, no, it probably was. Probably was screenwriting. I mean, um, my housemate in London, uh, uh, Phil, who's actually, he works as an editor now and he, he uh, kind of edited and produced a really good Australian documentary called Into the Shadows. Um, he had a whole a whole bunch of kind of books about film and, and screenwriting and stuff and I think I was just bored one day and needed to read so I, I borrowed one of his books about screenwriting um, and it just really kind of clicked with me because you know like I said I kind of watched a lot of films in the four years previous and, and then studied a bit of writing and then it was this kind of book about writing for films and stuff and um, I don't know I just started kind of doing that and, and trying to write up a film um, just trying to write up what I would like to see in a film um, so I kind of wrote, wrote my first script and, and got that under the belt. And you wrote that after seeing Shane Black, is that correct? Uh, uh, yes and no. I mean, uh, Phil and I had been to the, went to the London Film Festival, um, and that was 2005, so uh, the, the director and screenwriter Shane Black was out there speaking about um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is a fantastic film. Um, Robert Downey Jr.? Then, yeah, Robert Downey Jr., Val Kilmer, really, really, really funny film. Uh, if anyone hasn't seen it, you should definitely check it out. Um, and then after the screening, uh, I think Phil and I had been up drinking the night before, so I probably went in the best shape. And then we somehow got a Kiss Kiss Bang Bang poster from somewhere, probably stole it off the wall in one of the screenings. And um, and we kind of hung out in the cinema afterwards and, and tried to meet Shane Black. Um, and he, in, in good celebrity fashion, just gave us a brush off. Um, <laughs> and I think it added there he got to hang around and talk to us and sign our poster that we stole. Um, and now I think about it, I'm like the dude fully jet lagged and you know stressful having his own screening and didn't want to deal with two hungover sketchy dudes outside the cinema. Um, but yeah, he didn't find our poster, and I think I just kind of said to feel, you know, half half ironically, that it's like, oh, you know, I'm going to run my own film and be better than that guy and stuff, and I'll sign posters when people ask. Uh, so that was probably a bit of motivation, but you know, probably was more tongue in cheek motivation. Anything else? Was he there for a Q&A or something? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It was like a kind of um, showing a film and doing a Q&A, you know, a lot of promotion for the film and that kind of thing. Okay, cool. So uh, you wrote your first screenplay. Let's talk about where the influence for that came from. What's it called? Just give it a little background. Um, well, the, the first thing I wrote, I uh, started writing in London and carried on when I got back to Canberra. Um, it, was, it was titled uh, One Night in Canberra, and it was... Um, as you might imagine from the imaginative title, just about uh, one night in Canberra, um, just about you know guys my own age kind of hanging out, and um, one of them writes a dissertation, a university thesis about how he doesn't like Canberra, and he loses it the night before it's due, and uh, in trying to get it back, he has this kind of crazy night through the city and gets to see a bit of the other side of Canberra. So it probably just came out a bit of um, a bit of living in London and being a bit distant from Canberra and just seeing the perceptions people have of Canberra as a city and maybe some of the perceptions I had of it and, and uh, yeah, just wanting to write something like that. And I think like a lot of kind of first screenplays, it was probably, you know, pretty autobiographical and stuff and, and um, 
yeah, so just kind of wrote that and then carried on writing it when I got back to Canberra and um, and entered it in a, a competition called Project Greenlight. Correct. Um, I just wanted to touch on Trigger Street, though. Um, Kevin Spacey's website that he runs, I guess. I'm sure people run it for him. Um, but you put One Night in Canberra up on TriggerStreet.com? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I guess I, I wrote this kind of script um, and then kind of didn't really know a whole lot, you know, what to do with it. Um, and then, I don't know, where I'd heard of Trigger Street, but I must have heard about it somewhere. And uh, if anyone doesn't know, it's basically a, a website, uh, a kind of a peer review website where you upload screenplays and um, you review other people's screenplays. And for every two that you review, you get one review of yours. Um, and it's a lot of kind of aspiring writers. Um, and it's it's kind of, I don't know, if, if, if you don't, I guess, know a lot of film people or if, you know, you're a kid from Canberra, it's, it's not a bad way to kind of get a bit of feedback on something you've written. Um, unlike anything, you know, a lot of the feedback is probably not useful, but if you get 20 people reading your scripts, you might get, you know, five or six really, really useful constructive reviews. And uh, I just kind of did that, you know, put it up on there, got some, kind of got it torn to shreds and then kind of rewrote it, put it up again and it got torn slightly left to shreds and did that kind of four times. And then I think by the fourth draft, it was kind of in the top top 10 or something on the website. Um, and then I kind of knew, okay, now now these anonymous internet people don't seem to mind it. Uh, maybe it's worth <laughs> showing someone else. Definitely. And um, Project Greenlight Australia, obviously an offshoot of the US version created by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Um, they had the first season of Project Greenlight Australia was uh, extremely different to the first. So I'll just explain, sorry, to the second. Um, so I'll just explain the first one. Uh, they chose a film to give a million dollars to. The film was called Solo and starred Colin Friels. And the yeah. series, the Project Greenlight series, was 12 or so episodes um, chronicling the development, uh, production, and uh, the writer-director making their first-time film. Uh, how was the second series different? Um, I mean, so I guess the second series is all about everything leading up to what you would have seen in the first series. So the second series was kind of um, uh, like a lot of reality shows, basically just trying to find a winner. Um, so, you know, people entering scripts um, and then the show was about the process of kind of whittling those scripts down and, and knocking people out until you kind of had one person winning. Um, and the way they did that from memory was from the entrance, I think they got it down to 12, 12 screenplays um, and 12 contestants. And then um, every week you'd kind of, you get drawn out of a hat, I think, and you'd have to basically make a short film and then the audience would vote on, you know, if they liked your short film more than the other person and then you kind of go through to the next round. So it was, a, it was, yeah, it was an interesting show. I think it was a cool show. It'd be nice if they brought it back. Um, but it was just kind of people writing screenplays and then making short films to compete against each other and then the winner got a million dollars to make uh, make their film and um i'm guessing you having never directed anything before there would have been a lot of writer directors in the mix already but you had no directing experience at this time yeah it was a bit a bit strange because i mean like i said i'd written this script it was up on trigger street and i think i was still pretty hungry for feedback so i saw this competition and i think it said like uh it said you know a million dollars for the winner um but what really got me entering was like the top 50 get feedback so i was like i wouldn't mind some of that feedback so uh, <laughs> pretty much put it in um and then you know fortunately it kind of made it through to the 12 and then it was like i started thinking about okay now uh, i guess i'm i'm a director according to this competition so i need to start trying to uh direct stuff um so 
so that was kind of a really big learning experience for me because I'm uh, wasn't a director and I still I wouldn't consider myself a, a director so uh, it was kind of just learning as I was going um, which you know reality TV cameras in your house at the same time maybe not the ideal way to do it but it was definitely interesting and, and very fun experience so you made a couple of films during the course of the competition the first one was called miscommunication um, just kind of summarize that one for us and yeah, I mean, the, the interesting thing about the way they did the competition, uh, <laughs> it's getting very complicated, but they ran a short film writing competition in conjunction, and the winning short films was what the uh, the, the contestants in the, the main competition would direct. So um, not only was I directing uh, short film, but it wasn't a short film that I personally had written, it was someone else's words. Um, so that was a little bit strange. And miscommunication was... Um, it was about a, a marriage counsellor, uh, really good at giving advice about telling people to communicate, and then he has his most challenging case ever when a couple of uh, mimes come in, um, and of course mimes are mute, so he's trying to get them to communicate to each other. And it was kind of a it's kind of a fun, a fun thing, and it was all in one location, so I guess that was kind of ideal for me. Um, and uh, yeah, I cast um, Bud Tingwell uh, as the the kind of marriage counsellor because um, I really liked him, and I think I read. Uh, in Film Inc. magazine, there was an interview with him and just talking about the fact that uh, he was really open to working with, with young directors and writers and things and I reached out to him and he, and he was open to working with me, which was cool. So we kind of got Bud Tingle to come down to Canberra and, and shoot a short film in my parents' house while they were away for the weekend. And so miscommunication gets you through to the next round. I mean, just to mention, this show was hosted by Paul McDermott and um, the judges were Megan Spencer and... Jeremy, uh, Jeremy, somebody? Jeremy Sims. Uh, Jeremy Sims. Um, who, Sims, that's right. Yeah, he's an actor uh, turned filmmaker. Um, and he made a really interesting film called Last Train to Frio, um, which you know, is definitely worth checking out because that's kind of a feature film all set. Like, it's based on a play, but it's all set on a, a single train journey. Um, so it's a really interesting film, which one of those people who likes kind of single location films. Uh, definitely worth checking out. And the next round was Smarter Than Your Average Corpse? Uh, yeah, so <clears throat> got through the next round um, and then had to do do the same thing again, make another short film. And this one was called Smarter Than Your Average Corpse and was about uh, bank robbers uh, robbing a place. Uh, um, and then they, they, they think that the, the guy they're robbing has a heart attack and he kind of gets into their car and dies. And, you know, it's about them getting away. And, and of course, the guy's, you know, he's faking and he's, he's not really had a heart attack. And it's just his way of trying to catch them. So it was kind of a cool little action thrillery thing. Um, it's probably pretty challenging for me because, you know, at this point I directed this in one location and I had to uh, make a second short film that involves kind of, you know, guns and a robbery in a, in a car and, and all sorts of things. Um, so probably didn't turn out as well as the first short film. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of fun. And we went out to, I don't remember now, it might have been was it Yas or, or Kuma, uh, somewhere quite remote where we had access to a road so we could shoot all the car portions without being interrupted. And was that the last one you made? Uh, yeah, so that, that went up against someone else's short film and uh, the, the audience vote, uh, I think I got 40... Uh, it, was, it was really close. It was like 47% versus 53%, uh, but unfortunately I was at 47%, so I got knocked out in what was the semifinals, and then uh, the guy beat me, went through to the final, and he lost uh, to a couple of filmmakers called the McRae Brothers, who won the contest and made a film called The View from Greenhaven, um, which is kind of a cool 
Australian film um, worth checking out as well. So I seem to be giving lots of film recommendations, but uh, <laughs> if you're interested in the competition um, and, and finding out what happened with the winners, it's definitely, definitely a film worth watching. So are you, in retrospect, uh, glad you didn't win Project Greenlight Australia, or...? Uh, am I glad I didn't get the million dollars to direct my own film? <laughs> um, uh, no, I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess it would have been definitely would have been cool to win. Um, but as I said, making these these short films uh, was a real, you know, adjustment and and real learning curve. So uh, would have been interesting to see how I would have gone directing a, a feature film. Um, so uh, I think at the time, obviously, it would be nice to win. Uh, but in retrospect, perhaps it was for the best. Um, and then kind of post the competition. Um, I had a couple of you know requests to read the, the script because um, I that was kind of the feedback for the whole competition. Everyone liked my script, uh, but when it came to my directing skills, um, everyone really liked my script. So uh, <laughs> kind of had a few people interested in the script and uh, ended up going into development and, and selling the script. Which I'm sure would have been a fantastic experience. Every writer who writes a script wants to sell it. I'm assuming. Uh yeah, I guess so. I mean, like I said, it's a little bit of a whirlwind because it was the first thing I'd written and then it was kind of like this crazy competition and then it was like, um, you know, people want to read it and then someone makes an offer and buys it and it's like, it's awesome. I think, I think, um, it, I probably would have appreciated that more if I'd been writing for five years and, you know, plugging away, but because it was the first one, it's like, oh, this is how it works. You write a script and it goes in competition, people like it, and people like it, this is what happens. Uh, so retrospectively, now I'm like, wow, that was actually quite uh, quite a remarkable sequence of events. Uh, but at the time, especially when you're young, it's like, oh, well, this is how it works. Um, so yeah, it was purchased and I was, and I was thrilled, uh, just thrilled at the idea that this thing I wrote was going to be made. Uh, or assumed, um, but unfortunately it's kind of uh, been in development uh, in inverted commas ever since um, and the, the people who bought it uh, seem to like it, but it doesn't seem like it's going to go into production anytime soon Fair enough, well we'll keep people posted on Podme if you can if we hear something different um, So then the next move for you was Australian Film Television Radio School? Uh, yeah that's right, so kind of kind of uh, sold the script um, and then I think because everything had been quite quite linear and quite fast up to that point I was like oh well, the next step is it gets made and the step after that is everyone likes it and then you know I write another thing and so on and so forth so I kind of did a very silly thing uh, which is I kind of stopped writing and just started waiting for this script that I had um, sold to go into production um, and I now know uh, it's very hard to sell a script um, but it's even harder to get a script made um, so I kind of didn't really do much for a little while. And then when it slowly dawned on me that perhaps my script wasn't going to go into, into production, uh, maybe I needed to uh, write a second script. Um, and so with that in mind, uh, I kind of did things a little bit backwards, but uh, I thought maybe I need to kind of go to film school and then learn a little bit more, more about, uh, about writing. And I think what I really felt like I needed to learn a bit more was about the film industry and how things work, because um, I was probably a little bit naive and... I just thought it might be good to get a bit of an understanding how it all works. Uh, so I applied to, to actors in Sydney um, and got into their postgraduate diploma in screenwriting, which is a two-year course. I find it really interesting, by the way, the, the fact that you've done this backwards and made, uh, sorry, written and sold a screenplay and then decided to go to film school. Uh, there's so many stories of writers who go to film school and say, this is boring or this isn't what I want to do. I want to do practical stuff. And then quit and, you know, write and direct their own films? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess, I guess 
guess as a writer, um, I think I, I understood that everyone has one really, really good story in them. <laughs> um, and I think I was just, I didn't want to be, I wanted to have a second and a third and fourth story. So uh, I thought it's probably a good idea to kind of enhance your skills. And, you know, I, I don't know, I like screenwriting. I enjoy reading about it. I like reading scripts. Um, you know, really interested in it. For me to go to film school and study screenwriting wasn't like an arduous thing. I just genuinely have a real interest in the subject matter and it, it was the first time I've ever studied something that didn't feel like study and I just really genuinely enjoyed uh, learning about it and um, uh, yeah I think I think I was a decent writer beforehand and I think I was a decent writer afterwards but I think it definitely just gave me a bit more of a professional sense and a bit more understanding of of how the industry works. And um, did you make a lot of contacts going to afters or was um, it a c- like, if you could explain the vibe, I guess, is it a collection of people who, um, you know, after everybody graduates, everyone there is going to help each other on projects? I mean, how would you describe the sort of atmosphere? There's definitely a lot of that. Um, I think, think for me personally, um, I mean, uh, the reason I write is I like to do things myself and perhaps I'm probably not the most collaborative individual, um, but the opportunities were definitely there and, and you know, some my classmates have, have continued to work with some of the directors there. Um, and, you know, I've ran in touch with some of the other screenwriting students and stuff, and sometimes we kind of share scripts and give each, uh, give each other feedback. Um, I think for the directing students, I think it's really, it's a wonderful place to go because they get access to the writers and the, the students studying kind of cinematography and that sort of thing. So great chance to kind of meet people who can come and work on your films. Um, for, for writers, it's definitely... The opportunity's there, um, but uh, like I said, you know, I am a writer and I'm probably a bit more, uh, I don't know, um, introspective and probably not one of those gung-ho people who's trying to, you know, meet those people and put something together. So uh, the opportunity was there. I personally probably didn't use that as much as I should have, but for other people it was really useful. And um, I guess just quick side question so you don't think you'll ever collaborate on anything in the future or will that just be a difficult process for you oh no no, no. <laughs> I, I i will um no definitely I mean, I, i'm working with kind of producers and stuff and, and people i've met um but i think um i don't know i think I, I tend to like to kind of write something and then here it is and see who wants to work on that who's interested in that rather than like um i don't know develop an idea for director first up um, but maybe that'll change. But at the moment, I'm just kind of more interested in just getting my own words on paper because I think writing's kind of hard enough um, and you need, need to be, uh, uh, I don't know, you need to have that internal impetus and you need to be really interested in it yourself to be motivated. So uh, just trying to get my own stuff done and then and hopefully find interesting people to work with from there. So I guess just on that motivation, how often and how much are you writing these days? And like... It's to steal a question from Jeff Goldsmith's Q and A. Tell us about <laughs> your craft. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I sold my first script, so I got some money from it. But unfortunately, um, or I don't know, <laughs> uh, not enough to to retire to an island, so I have to work day jobs. Um, and so I tend to, uh, at the moment, uh, write a little bit before work, right, right at my lunch break, and right after work. Um, if I'm disciplined about that, it means I can get, you know, at least a couple of hours of writing done a day. Um, so, you know, over, over a five-day work week, that's kind of 10 hours of writing. So that's kind of my, my habit at the moment. And 
uh, I find that kind of works reasonably well for me because if I have, I'm one of those people with terrible uh, procrastinating, um, but if I have like a one hour window to write in, I will write for that whole hour, whereas if I have like a day off and I have nine hours to write, I'll, I'll screw around and clean the house and do things for like eight hours and then I'll write in that last hour. So uh, kind of having a regular time slot every day in which I write in is, is useful. Um, and the fact that I time around lunch works for me because I get to eat food and uh, I enjoy eating food. So I associate <laughs> writing with the <laughs> joyful process of eating. You reward yourself at the same time. I, I earn my treat, yes. <laughs> what? Uh, how would you describe your genre of writing? Like, what is your strength? Do you write drama best or comedy? Um, pretty much everything I've written um, has been has been comedic, um, has been kind of comedy drama and then a lot of things I've written have been kind of you know crazy all in one night or all in one day um, I, I, I don't know I really like to compress time frames or limited locations I think it just gives stories a natural kind of framework and momentum um, so if I look back at the stuff I've written it does tend to be comedic stuff set in one location or across one time frame um, I'm starting to try and expand that a little bit at the moment and I, I did my a mentorship as a second uh in the second year of my kind of actors course uh, and the person I was working with encouraged me to try and be a bit more or write a bit, write a bit more dramatically um, so I did a bit of a drama then um, but I think I think my lesson from that was I should probably stick a bit closer to what I'm good at at this stage anyway which uh, is probably more the, the comedy side of things and I think um, we talked about this once um, One Night in Canberra was sort of maybe less of what an Australian comedy was like in 2007 2008 um when we talked about this i'm sure uh rather like more an american comedy would you say that's true um i don't know it's hard to say i mean i'm i'm australian so i feel like it's something i write set in australia is an australian film um i think i think i don't know this is a bit of a misconception we think of australian films we tend to think of certain types of films but there definitely are australian genre filmmakers um, but I think it's just a product of the lack of a studio system. We tend to make, I don't know, certain types of, of films, I guess, uh, rather than trying to make big, broad um, comedies or action films and stuff, because if, if you do that, yeah, I guess you're competing with the big American films. Um, but I certainly wasn't thinking about any of that stuff when I wrote. I was just thinking if I went to the movies or I went down to Video 2000, uh, what would I like to pick up from the shelves? And what I wanted to pick up from the shelves was like a, I don't know, Australian set kind of comedy that wasn't necessarily self-consciously Australian, just was a comedy set in Australia with Australian people. Um, yeah. And so after the events of Afters, um, Australian Film Television Radio School, uh, you moved to London, correct? Yeah. So um, so Afters does a really interesting and useful thing after screenwriting students where the first year of your course is... Uh, all about study and, and development of kind of uh, different projects, so TV projects and film projects. And then the second year of the course, uh, you basically you need to find an industry mentor, uh, so the successful working writer or producer or director, actually probably more a producer and a writer than a director. And um, and you know if actors you know agrees that that person's a worthy person to work with, um, basically they will then you make a contract and they pay that person to basically be your mentor for a year. Um, so I, I got to work with the, the British uh, television writer and producer, uh, Dominic Mingella, who, who did the TV show Doc Martin, uh, which was on 
think, ABC for a long time, um, and he also did uh, some episodes of a show called Hamish and Beth, and he also did the most recent kind of BBC version of Robin Hood, uh, so he's kind of a, uh, in the UK at least, uh, you know, quite a, a big kind of film and, uh, sorry, television uh, and creative force, uh, so I got the chance to kind of come and work with him for a year. Um, and actors is, is super flexible um so you know basically i got to come to london uh to to work with him um which was yeah definitely a really good learning experience for sure and i mean being in london is going to develop your writing career isn't it uh yeah i guess so. i mean i think any kind of new experience uh is always good for your writing because if you don't do anything new you're just going to keep going back to the same well so Anytime you can kind of thrust yourself in a new environment or, you know, meet new people, that's always going to inform your writing well. So it was definitely useful in a kind of tangential way. Um, and it's just, it's an, definitely an interesting place to come because, uh, you know, there's lots of aspiring film and television talent in Australia, um, but in London there's even even more. Uh, so it's kind of a, you know, bigger pool and, and bigger fish. Um, so, yeah, definitely a good place to come. And so I guess, like, based on, you know, it improving your writing because it's, you know, more experiences for you to draw upon, are you finding that, you know, you get, and you don't have to explain them, but are you getting into more adventures where you think, yeah, I'll just say yes to this and see where the night takes me and things like that? Um, maybe a couple of years ago, probably not so much now, because uh, I'm getting a bit older. But, um, yeah, I think that's I, that's one of the really... Uh, nice things about calling yourself a writer is anytime you find yourself in an awkward or weird situation, uh, instead of thinking this is awkward or weird, you think, man, this is this is great material. <laughs> this will be this will you know be really useful to use for something someday. Uh, so that's one of the real bonuses of, of trying to to write is uh, anytime you find yourself in a not good situation, it might be a good situation for writing. And just to quickly sidetrack for a second, when you mentioned material, it reminded me that you tried stand-up comedy while you were over somewhere uh yeah i did do some stand-up comedy so our, our mutual friend uh dean who is another friend of the podcast um he he was doing some stand-up comedy in london and i used to go with him to a lot of gigs um and if you go to enough kind of uh comedy gigs uh at the aspiring comic comedian level you start to think man i could do better than some of these guys <laughs> and uh i think someone must have called me out on that and then i i started to do a couple of kind of open mic gigs um and if you're anyone trying to write comedy, I reckon it's definitely worth doing because it's really, really interesting to like write stuff and actually be responsible for delivering it and not just expecting actors to try and do it. And it, it kind of gives you a good sense of, of what works and what doesn't work and uh, crafting a joke. Uh, so I probably did about a dozen kind of open mic gigs in London. Um, it was fun. I just found uh, it's very, very consuming and very time involving and to really do it properly you kind of need to make that your sole focus it's kind of hard to say i'm a i'm a writer i'm going to dabble in stand-up it's kind of is all consuming <laughs> so uh definitely fun but probably not something I'm, I'm going to pursue so let's um touch on the internship you have at island pictures uh yeah so like i said i did a mentorship with dominic Mangella. Um, that was kind of basically working working with him while continuing to study at Afters. And then uh, I came back to back to Afters just for some final classes before I graduated and we had a, a kind of guest uh, speaker from Screen Australia come to talk to us. And uh, they mentioned uh, in terms of opportunities, um, if you're 
if you're a, I don't know, aspiring Australian creative person, talent, and you um, are looking to overseas internship, Screen Australia has a program where you can kind of apply, basically, and Screen Australia will, will fund you to go and study or go to go work in that internship. Uh, so I kind of lined up an internship with Dominic's production company and applied to Screen Australia and filled out, you know, a dozen forms and did all sorts of things um, and eventually uh, got the got the go-ahead and got the approval. So, uh, so they gave me funding to basically spend six months working as an intern for Dominic uh, Mangela's company. And that was, I mean, Screen Australia, I, I think they get knocked a lot, but it was definitely amazing for me because it was um, the first time I was able to not have to hold down a day job. I could just go and solely do this internship and you know, receive money to basically be able to pay the bills for six months. Um, so that was great. And, and when I worked for his production company in Soho and kind of got to do all sorts of things and um, got to see, yeah, learn a little bit more about the business of working as a writer. And I guess having a mentor, obviously beneficial for you at this point in your writing career. Um, what's sort of the best advice or the best thing you've gleaned from being around Dominic? Is this like a, um, has he tried to change or shape your writing in any way? Um, I, don't, I don't know, it's hard to say. I guess um, probably pushed, pushed a little bit in terms of the kind of stuff I'm trying to write uh, in that if you're kind of a young guy trying to write stuff about young guys hanging out having funny pop culture driven conversations that's that's cool and that's definitely good stuff to do but there's an awful lot of people <laughs> trying to do that type of thing uh, so mm -hmm. if you're trying to stand out a bit trying to do something a little bit different and then maybe take some risks and be a little bit daring um, so that was kind of an interesting thing to learn um, but I don't know I guess the bigger thing is just uh, I mean it sounds simple but you've just got to kind of write I mean you can I think if you have an interest in screenwriting or whatever, it's very easy to get caught up in uh, reading online a lot about screenwriting and talking about screenwriting and, and kind of, I mean, we're doing it now, but um, thinking about it in a theoretical sense. But at the end of the day, you just need to, you know, sit down at a computer or notepad and get some words on paper or on screen and just write. And that's, that's basically it. I mean, you can talk about it all day long, but at the end of the day, all anyone cares about is uh, the words on the page. And um, let's go straight into what you're working on now. How many screenplays have you been working on since One Night in Canberra? Um, oh, well, well, I did One Night in Canberra, and then I did another one uh, that was optioned, um, and that uh, working with some, you know, a really cool young Australian producer, um, and he had an American partner, uh, producing partner, and kind of went back and forth on that a lot, and that went through a lot of iterations, and then we kind of went from it being a film to being a TV show and then, uh, you know, back to a film uh, and that kind of went around the block. Um, and unfortunately that didn't kind of go anywhere in the end, uh, but the relationships with producers have been really good and, and continuing to look for projects to work with them on. So that's been good. Um, and then I kind of, I got a manager uh, for my writing, which is really good. Um, so I've kind of, I was working on something for him last year and that was a, a good kind of brutal introduction to uh, trying to write for the American market because he's a US producer and that was my first time trying to write like an American set screenplay and I worked very hard and very long trying to write a really good spec script um, and he liked it and I liked it everyone liked it and it went out and no one bought it and that's pretty much it it goes back in the drawer so that was a good good lesson about um, I mean, you can work awfully hard on things and then it's, it can be quite a brutal business if no one wants it and that's kind of done 
Um, and then I've kind of just started working on a, on a new one, uh, which I should have a first draft finished soon. Um, kind of trying to bring together the the you know the fact that I'm Australian guy, I'm living in London, and trying to write for America. So I'm trying to write a a story about Australian character in London and an American character, and trying to bring it all together. So working on that at the moment. And then once that's done, uh, um, one of the producer guys is working with had a, quite an interesting idea. Uh, for for a story, and he kind of brought that to me. And I'm really keen to see if I can work that up for him. So, yeah, almost finish one thing and about to start another thing, and just constantly writing, I guess. Staying productive, obviously. Uh yeah. So it's a weird kind of productivity though, because um, screenwriting, you're writing words that uh, are going to be a film, and if they don't become a film, then I don't know. I guess you can question how productive <laughs> it really is. Um, but yeah, definitely staying busy. And if I've learned one thing, uh, I guess it's like, um, even if things don't go exactly the way you think they will, there's always an interesting secondary effect. Uh, so, you know, the, the first script, One Night in Canberra, I thought it was going to get made. It didn't get made, but the fact that it got purchased, um, really helped my application for afters. And, you know, the second thing I wrote, uh, it got optioned, it didn't go into production, but the process of working with those producers has given me a relationship with them to work on the next thing. So uh, if you know anyone listening is is, is plugging away yeah, in the humili- humiliating world of writing, uh, even if you don't kind of find exactly the success you think it's going to be, uh, I think it can often lead you down interesting paths, which hopefully in the future will lead you to success. Very well put. Almost the last question. Um, I just wanted to, to say, are you still using things like Trigger Street and online peer review type process? Or is this um, strictly, do things just go to your mentor or how do you operate now? Um, yeah, for the last couple of things, I haven't really used Trigger Street um, because I guess I've, through film school and other things, I kind of feel like nowadays I, I know enough people who have an interest in screenwriting and, and know a bit about it who can actually kind of read stuff I've written and, and give constructive feedback and, and be critical about it so uh, I haven't um, but it might be an interesting exercise to go back and, and try and use it again um, but, and also I think the more you write uh, the better you get the, the more you get a sense of your own work and is it kind of good enough yet so I think when I was first writing it was kind of like is this good? I don't know. But now it's kind of like uh, I kind of know something's not quite there yet. And I kind of know I need to keep redrafting. And then once once I start to feel like, okay, this is ready for people to read, then I send it out to people I know and kind of go from there. And um, what is the last film you saw at the cinema? Uh, this is always the question we end with on uh, Pod Me If You Can interviews. Okay. Um, the last film I saw was Friday night. I went and saw Gatsby in 3D, or the great Gatsby in 3D, um, which is pretty cool. Was it cooler because it was 3D? Was it made better by the 3D? Uh, I don't know. Personally, I don't like 3D films, um, but I was kind mm-hmm. of interested to see this because it wasn't intuitively a film that you would think would need to be in 3D, so I was kind of intrigued to see why. And there's like some really lavish set pieces and some really cool party scenes that kind of um, I don't know, typical as Lerman, I guess, you know, very, very visually uh, stylish. So, yeah, it's interesting and, you know, it's a pretty cool story. I remember reading the book in high school and liking it, so uh, kind of interesting to revisit it and, and watch it. So, it was probably not my favourite film of the year, um, but definitely worth a watch. 
And uh, tell us how the listeners can find you, John, on Twitter. Is it um, at John H. Ratchford? Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. At John H. Ratchford. And Ratchford's R-A-T-C-H-F-O-R-D. Um, uh, to be honest, I'm pretty pretty slack with my tweeting. Um, but maybe maybe post this uh, podcast. I'll, I'll try and pick it up a little bit more. Um, but yeah, if any listeners are interested in following the semi-interesting adventures of an aspiring <laughs> writer, uh, feel free to follow me and I'll, I'll try and follow you back. And uh, yeah, that was the interview over Skype with John from London. So um, if you missed his Twitter details and you want to get in touch with him, we'll um, post a link and you can contact him on Twitter on our Facebook page. All the Pod Me If You Can links are at www.podmeifyoucan.com, including our Facebook, uh, links to our YouTube, and um, Lloyd, tell us about the new Pod Me If You Can TV enterprise. Yeah, we just started a new web series or web show. We actually got a full channel dedicated um, on YouTube um, called Pod Me If You Can, and we do, so it's actual video, not just audio, and we do reviews on weird, obscure movies starring, you know, pretty big name actors, either before they were famous or, you know, when they're on the slippery slope downhill and they're just trying to clamor on to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to movies, but um, yeah, we've uh, just... Um, reviewing some of those some of those are very hard to watch so it takes a lot of effort to get through them and review them you know <laughs> yeah and you might uh you might find that watching the five minute video of us will save you watching one of these <laughs> yeah. films so um yeah we'll see how that goes but as always the links at podmeifyoucan.com and you can find all our podcasts there if you missed any thank you very much for listening <laughs>